Okay, so if you're watching on video, you already see what's happening right now. Guys on the audio and people on the audio listening to me on all audio platforms, I'm just going to sit here and just picture what I'm wearing. A pigskin frenzy, black and orange jersey, custom made to be in fact, custom made. Very thankful that someone made it for, made this for me. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. And, uh, and, and by the way, about this and about the hoodie, the pigskin frenzy hoodie I wore on the Halloween episode and uh, polo shirt I wore on previous episodes, so forth. We're going to have, you know, news on that coming in the near future with all of this stuff, the jersey, the hoodie, uh, and, you know, some merchandise. And we're going to have, we're going to have, you know, we're going to have a few things to say about that and a, and a few news to break eventually coming up in the near future about pigskin frenzy and the merch. Welcome to Pigskin Frenzy on this wonderful Tuesday afternoon. Thank you for joining us. I'm Joel Norris. And whether you're watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify, Podbean, or Apple, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below. Spotify, Podbean, and Apple, if you're listening on there, just share around with others and follow on there as well. X, Instagram, and Facebook. All you got to do is type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions, by the way. Trivia questions on Instagram stories. We do one Tuesday and Thursdays before when the new episodes drop. College on college days and NFL on NFL days. Go and answer today's college question as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Just keep on plugging in on the socials. So, College football day today. Yes, uh, you 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 guys have a point when you look at college ball week twelve. It's usually the week before rivalry week, and you're like, uh, you know, you're like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's some games on, but there were some games on that were actually, oh wow, didn't see that one coming. Just like college ball is every weekend, right? And we're gonna talk about those games. We're gonna break down week twelve and the games that we covered here at Pigskin Frenzy and. It's showdown Saturday. That's what I call it. Rivalry weekend is here. Showdown Saturday is upon us. And we're going to break down and preview and predict the games that we're covering this week for the rivalry weekend and showdown Saturday. Guys, we're also going to dive deep into the latest of Michigan and what's going on up there in Ann Arbor, the coaching carousel, uh, players coming back. We're also going to talk about the transfer portal. Just wanted to whisper that because, oh no, it's here. And, and break down the latest frenzy playoff rankings entering week 13. So subscribe to the channel on YouTube. Just keep plugging in on all audio platforms and on all socials. Just type in Piskin Frenzy and follow on all platforms there. College ball recap week 12. Let's kick it off with Clemson and South Carolina, shall we? Got, by the way, for the re, for the you know for the games that I predicted and covered, you know I covered this weekend two for two. Uh, this game I got wrong. I picked North Carolina to win. I was wrong. Clemson thirty one, North Carolina twenty. Man, uh, big keys to this that I mentioned came into a play in this game. We're going to talk about that. Let's go over the stats really fast, and we'll talk about the keys that just happened. K. Klubnick, 21 for 32 with 219 yards and a touchdown. 12 carries with 44 yards and a touchdown. Will Shipley, 18 carries with 126 yards and a touchdown. Two receptions with 53 yards. Phil Moffa, 23 carries with 84 yards and a touchdown. Two receptions with seven yards. Adam Randall, two receptions with 57 yards. Troy Stilato, six receptions with 50 yards. Tyler Brown, 
Six receptions, 32 yards. Jake Brenningstool, three receptions with 20 yards and a touchdown. And the defense racked up three turnovers. Not one, not two, but three turnovers. Two fumbles and one interception. This defense was led by linebacker Jeremiah Trotter and defensive back Nate Wiggins. Trotter racked up 11 total tackles, and Wiggins racked up seven total tackles and an interception. Two talented defensive players for the Tigers, and they will be going pro and I know they're going to go pro because they got the talent to go pro. They are some pro athletes there playing in Clemson, South Carolina. Drake May, let's go with North Carolina stats. Drake May, 16 for 36 with 209 yards and a touchdown with one interception. 10 carries with 67 yards. Amarian Hampton, 19 carries with 178 yards and two touchdowns. Tez Walker, four receptions with 70 yards. J.J. Jones, five receptions with 60 yards and a touchdown. Nate McCollum. Three receptions with 32 yards. Bryson Nesbitt, two receptions with 29 yards. And John Coopenhaver, two receptions with 18 yards. And the defense forced two turnovers of their own. The highlights of the defense were defensive back Ontavius Lane and defensive back Don Chapman. Lane notched eight total tackles and Chapman racked up nine total tackles. So, the game itself, and let's break down North Carolina first. I usually go with Clemson, but let's just break down, let's break down North Carolina first. Amari and Hampton. Highlight for this offense. They ran the ball well. That's it. They ran the ball well. Both defenses didn't play bad. It's just some of those players lit it up and played pretty good, right? Played pretty good football. Like Will Shipley for Clemson and like Marion Hampton. The running game for both teams were strong. Real strong. Now, here's the problem here. The line of scrimmage came into a play in this one, and I said that. The line of scrimmage was key for this. They had to play tough on the line of scrimmage, and they I didn't they didn't really show me anything to win that game in terms of playing well and playing tough on the line of scrimmage. And by the way, this is not a shot here, but Drake May is a phenomenal quarterback. The top quarterback prospect, one of the top quarterback prospects of the 2024 draft, if he decides to go that route. He has been playing this season kind of hot and kind of cold. Um, and, and, and I think that I, I think that right now I kind of wanted to, and I kind of was let down and I kind of wanted to see the real Drake may stand up. I'm starting to sound like slim shady. Will the real, will the real Drake may please stand up, please stand up. So I just want him to stand up and play and play like a phenomenal top prospect because he's don't get me wrong. He's a he is a great prospect. He is, but he's playing like a good prospect. We don't want to see him. We don't want to see the good prospect coming out. He's a good. He, he's been playing okay, but they want to see an NFL prospect that's great and one of the top, not just good. And he's been built up a lot, and the expectations have been kind of a little, you know, kind of underachieving a little bit. So uh, for Drake May, uh, just I think right now, just step up just a tiny bit more. And that's what I kind of wanted to see Saturday against Clemson. But Saturday wasn't anybody's night. But the running backs, the running backs played good, and the defense played really well for both teams as well. But North Carolina was not as physical on the line of scrimmage, and Clemson was just the more physical football team. And I think that's what got Clemson the win here. Let's go with Clemson really quick. Uh, they played a phenomenal on defense. I mean, their defense is pretty tough, and they gave Drake May fits. And I think that was a good issue and a good problem there. The line of scrimmage, obviously, Clemson outduel them like I just mentioned and you know Will Shipley 126 yards and a touchdown with 18 carries guys one of the most underrated backs in the ACC he is in not just in the ACC one of the top backs in the ACC he's one of the most underrated in college football and he just didn't get a lot of credit 
right? So uh, Clemson, they got South Carolina coming up. North Carolina's got NC State. And watch out. I'm not covering that game, but that NC State-North Carolina game, Going to be very tricky for North Carolina. Very tricky. NC State's no slouch. They are a good football team. And I got a little bit something to say about NC State once the frenzy rankings come up later on in this episode. So final score, 31 Clemson, North Carolina 20. Clemson goes and faces South Carolina this Saturday while North Carolina faces North Carolina State Saturday. Let's go with Arizona and Utah really quick, guys. Arizona, Utah. I another game I pitch Utah to win. Don't count out Utah. Don't count out Utah. I was wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. Once I said, don't count out Utah, I can't pick against them anymore. Should have picked against them this week. Final score, 42-18. Arizona routes and dominates Utah. Uh, I should have picked Arizona, but I was leaning more towards Utah because I, don't th- I didn't think Utah was going to lose another game, but they did. Arizona's a good football team guys, and I'm just going to say that now. They're a good football team. Noah Fafita, 22 for 30 with 253 yards and two touchdowns. Jaden Delora, 2 for 2 with 51 yards and a touchdown. Jonah Coleman, 24 carries, 90 yards and a touchdown. Michael Wiley, 5 carries with 24 yards, 5 receptions with 68 yards and two touchdowns. I'm trying to read these stats. If I got it right. So, and it was right because my eyes were just, you know, like, really? I was just kind of shocked mid-episode. Tataya, the Tatero, Tataya Tyaroa McMillan. Tatyaroa McMillan. Tatyaroa McMillan. That's how you pronounce that name. My mouth is just going crazy. Uh, but I was mid-pause over these stats. Eight receptions with 116 yards with one touchdown and a 21-yard touchdown pass. Are you kidding me? He's a wide receiver. 21-yard touchdown pass for Ty Tyaroa McMillan. Uh, eight receptions with 116 yards with one touchdown and 21-yard touchdown pass. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He was playing quarterback a little bit, too. Tanner McLaughlin, four receptions with 51 yards. Montana Limitus Craig, y'all remember him? Star wide receiver out who transferred out to Arizona. 32-yard touchdown reception. And the defense played very stingy and forced two turnovers this game. Utah, let's go with their stats really quick. Bryson Barnes, 31 for, 31 for 53 with 320 yards and two touchdowns with two interceptions. 19 carries with 44 yards. Jaquindon Jackson, 10 carries with 47 yards, three receptions with 24 yards. Sion Bakai, four carries with 10 yards. Devon Belay, nine receptions with 111 yards and a touchdown. Manure McLean, six receptions with 70 yards and a touchdown. Landon King, four receptions with 63 yards. And Money Parks, four receptions with 30 yards. The defense played tough. They just couldn't hang on to Arizona's offense. Arizona's offense, I said it last week, top five in the Pac-12. Utah's defense, top three in the Pac-12, and they just couldn't hold on to that offense. That offense flat out dominated them. I don't think Utah could handle their pace and style of play, and I think that's what got Arizona to that 8-3 and record right now. Arizona's a good football team. And by the way, just to point this out, Arizona's not out of it. Spoiler alert, Washington's in, okay? So there's all, there's already one seed clinched. They're the home team in the the number one seed and home team for the playoff, you know, for the uh, Pac-12 championship game in Vegas next Friday on December 1st. Now, two things can go down. Oregon wins, the highly anticipated rematch happens for the Pac-12 championship, and winner goes to the playoffs. So potentially goes to the to potentially potentially goes to the playoffs. Now, now, 
if Oregon loses in the Civil War to Oregon State, then Arizona gets in to play Washington in the Pac-12 championship game. Can you believe it? Can you believe that? Arizona, who was not even not even make a bowl game last year, 8-3 and three and could, could be on its way to playing for a conference championship. Can you believe that? Unbelievable. What a turnaround that Jed Fish has made in his third season there at Arizona. He's got he's got the Wildcats going, and they're a pretty good football team. Even if they don't make the Pac-12 title game, I still have them winning against Arizona State. And not only that, going to nine wins, they could go to 10 wins in the season and play a pretty good bowl game to end the year. Jed Fish got Arizona rolling. Man, good football team down, uh, down there in Tucson. So, Arizona, man. Arizona, rocking it. Rocking it. Utah, little disappointed. But that's okay. I didn't expect the expectations with so many injuries that can that Utah has. The bar wasn't going to be that high. Uh, Utah is not a very healthy football team. I mean, Cam Rising. Uh, they lost. They lost a lot of their defensive players. A lot of their starting defensive players. And I feel like that Utah. It's a team that's going to go to a good ball game. They're going to play Colorado. They're probably going to win against Colorado. And they're a good football team. And they're one of the favorites to win the Big 12 next year when they join it. So uh, they're a good football team. Arizona probably should be added to one of those favorites in the Big 12, too. They look pretty solid right now under Jed Fish. So uh, Utah's a good football team. Arizona's a good football team. Arizona just played harder and played a better style of pace and faster pace than Utah. Uh, I thought Utah was going to hang in there with them, but they really couldn't match their their style of play on offense. And I feel like it was a, it was a Arizona was trying to get into a score fest a little bit with them, and they couldn't they couldn't hang in there with them. They just couldn't hang in. The Utah just couldn't hang in there with them. Final score, 42-18. Arizona routes Utah in a game where don't need to quit doubting, you know, Arizona, I guess. Don't doubt Arizona. Eight and three. Top 15 team. Hopefully, let's see in the playoff rankings tonight and here in a little bit for the frenzy rankings here. So, moving on. Georgia, Tennessee. Georgia, Tennessee. Here we go. I picked Georgia to win this game. I was right. <laughs> of course, right? I was right. Tennessee scored seven points in second the first quarter. Second quarter, they scored 10. And in the third, the third, you know, the second half, third quarter and fourth quarter, you know how many points they scored? If you're watching on YouTube, you see it right now. If you just picture me holding up a fist, if you're listening on audio. Zero. They scored zero points in the second half. Final score, 38-10. Georgia routes Tennessee in Knox in Knoxville. Carson Beck, a man that hadn't been playing, you know, like he, you know, hasn't been in the Heisman race, but has been playing like one of the best player quarterbacks in college football. He has thrown for 250 plus yards every single game. Every Single game. He has thrown for 250 plus yards. 24 for 30 with 298 yards and three touchdowns. Four carries with five yards. Kendall Milton, 14 carries with 66 yards and one touchdown. Dejon Edwards, 11 carries with 34 yards. Two receptions with 15 yards. Arian Smith, 33-yard carry. Andrew Paul, six carries with 16 yards. Dylan Bell was a big factor in this game. He played hard and filled up a stat board. 
right? Fill, pad some stats. Five receptions with 90 yards a touchdown, and a touchdown. One carry with four yards and an 18-yard touchdown pass. Have at it, Dylan Bell. Marcus Roseme, seven receptions with 91 yards and two touchdowns. Brock Bauer, seven receptions with 60 yards and a touchdown. Rara Thomas, 18-yard reception, and Jackson Meeks, 23-yard reception. And the defense was solid and only held 10 Tennessee and only held Tennessee to 10 points. The defensive backs, Tyke Smith and Javon Bullard were the highlights of the day. Smith racked up 10 total tackles and Bullard notched six total tackles. Let's go with Tennessee. Uh, not a whole lot, but we will get to the game here in a little bit. Joe Milton, 17 for 30 with 147 yards. Jalen Wright, nine carries with 90 yards and a touchdown. The first play of the game, he broke one. Open gap, broke one. Stunned Georgia a little bit. Georgia was caught sleep, sleeping a little bit, but that woke him up. Jabari Small, six carries with 25 yards, two receptions with four yards. Cameron Selden, three receptions with 11 yards. Squirrel White, three five receptions with 45 yards and an eight-yard carry. Chas Nimrod, five receptions with 44 yards. McKellen Castles, two receptions with 21 yards. Caleb Webb, 17-yard reception. Defensive back D'Amico Slaughter was the highlight for this defense, and Slaughter racked up 11 total tackles. Just wasn't a game. Uh, and it goes back to what the title of the episode was. Tuesday. Tennessee's a good football team, and they're pro and they're most likely going to beat Vanderbilt Saturday. Handily, there's a difference between good and elite. Georgia's elite. Tennessee's a good football team. They're just elite. Tennessee was not like they were last year. They fell off a little bit. That's fine. They're seven and four now. Gonna go with eight. Gonna go try to go to nine wins this season. Good for them. That's good. Uh, but. Key, key word here, but they're not elite like Georgia. Georgia outmatched them, and that's what Georgia's been doing to opponents every single game. I was wrong, and I've already admitted that, and I've already apologized to the Georgia faithful out there, but I was wrong. I said Georgia had a weak schedule. They weren't going to be battle-tested enough, but guess what? They were battle-tested enough. They got Ole Miss. They got teams like Tennessee, Florida, but they just, and even Auburn, Auburn gave them a game, but they just beat them all. You line everybody up, you beat them all. The toughest test is going to come next Saturday, December 2nd in Atlanta against Alabama in the SEC championship game. We all know that. But who's to say that they couldn't win that game? Who's to say Alabama couldn't win that game either? Don't count on Alabama at all. I've said that too. We're going to talk about that game next week. But. Who's to say Georgia can't win at all? I think it's time to start. We start talking about Georgia a little bit and appreciating what they've been doing. Uh, they don't have Stetson Bennett. They probably have somebody a little bit better than Stetson Bennett, and that's Carson Beck. So it's time to stop hating on Georgia because they're elite. Carson Beck's a good quarterback, a solid quarterback. Brock Bowers, they got one of the, if not the best player in college football, probably besides a Jaden Daniels or a Bo Nix, maybe. But they got the best player there. Errol Marvin Harrison Jr. even, but they got the best player there with Brock Bowers. They got a solid running game with his Dejon Edwards and Kendall Milton. They got a solid and stingy defense led by Javon Bullard, Michael Smith, Tyke Williams. Uh, uh, you, you, you just... CJ Allen, you got a lot of guys on this team that were that are just solid and good. They're elite. The the third strings are five stars. 
They just got outmatched. Tennessee, good football team. What they did well was they they tried to run the ball. They tried to play with some toughness. They just could not match the physicality for long. They just couldn't do anything. Georgia was just outmatched them on both sides of the ball, and I think that's what happened in this football game. Uh, Tennessee's a good team. They are going to win against Vandy, and I fully expect them to win nine games and go to a bowl game. So uh, go to a bowl game, win nine games, and end their season on a higher note. They just got outmatched by an, by the number one team in the nation. Final score, Georgia 38, Tennessee 10. Georgia marching towards the SEC championship against Alabama. Tennessee plays their last game you know, Saturday against, against Vanderbilt. Should, should, get, should take care of business there. Uh, Georgia has to go to Atlanta before they go to Atlanta and face Georgia Tech, the Yellow Jackets. So, night game for them, which is weird because usually it's a noon kickoff for Georgia, Georgia Tech. So, that's interesting. Last game before we move on to other news and before we move on to the frenzy rankings and preview and predict showdown Saturday. 20-minute, 20 21-minute mark, huh? Washington, Oregon State. I was right about this game. I said Washington was going to win. They did. But it was by the hair of their chinny, chin, chin. Washington 22, Oregon State 20. Joel, why are you doing nursery rhymes? I'll tell you why we're doing nursery rhymes. It was cold. And it was a cold and chilly day in Cornwallis, Oregon. Cornwallis, Oregon. And it was a you know rainy day. A little bit freezing up there. And slippery. And they said it's not going to have an effect. And it did have an effect. But Michael Penix played like a top-notch elite quarterback in the game and went through it. And to give them the win. He threw 13 for 28. Not the best. But he threw for 162 yards and two touchdowns in that kind of weather. It's pretty good numbers there. He also had three carries with 22 yards and a touchdown. Dylan Johnson, 16 carries with 89 yards. Rome Odunze, a man that is playing college, but he's actually disguised as a college football player. He's actually an NFL receiver. Uh, I'm just joking. Uh, credit uh, late kick Josh Pate for saying that, but he's right. Josh Pate is right because he is an NFL receiver. In college uniform, seven receptions with 106 yards and two touchdowns. Jack Westover, four receptions with 43 yards. The defense racked up three turnovers and played a very stingy game. One fumble, two interceptions. DJ Ua Ungole, 15 for 31 with 164 yards and two interceptions. Six carries with 53 yards. Sammy Martinez, one of the best backs along with Dylan Johnson and Bucky Irving in the Pac-12. 26 carries with 123 yards and two touchdowns, two receptions with 44 yards. Anthony Gold, two carries with 17 yards, five receptions with 34 yards. Silas Bolden, five receptions with 64 yards. They played stingy as well and even notched one turnover. Back and forth game, it was close. The running game played a good part of Oregon State's game plan, and they ran the ball well. I just think the two turnovers were too costly for Oregon State to come back from in this game. I think against this Washington team, you can't you can't turn the ball over, not at least not more than three times, you know, uh, or at three times at least. You got to play and play, you know protect the ball a little bit. I know it's tough in the environment that you're in, but you can't turn the ball over against this team. And I think that was what got Oregon State in this one. Over, other than that, Oregon State ran the ball well. Uh, and when he did throw, Ua Ungale threw the ball pretty well. Uh, but those two interceptions were just 
costly. The defense played stingy and gave, put up a fight against Washington's offense. I was very surprised by that front seven and by the middle uh, for Oregon State. The Oregon State Beavers, they looked pretty good on defense and pretty solid. They just gave it their all. But in the end, Michael Penix delivered the dagger to Roma Dunze and ended up selling the game against Oregon State. Let's talk about Washington really quick. Uh, they clinched the pl- they, they clinched a spot in the playoff and the or in the pack. I keep saying playoff. I guess the playoffs are on my mind. The Pac-12 championship game next Friday. Uh, will it be against Oregon or will it be against Arizona? Who knows? We got to find out what the result of the Civil War is going to be. I'm covering it. I'm so excited. Uh, Washington. Uh, Good team. They're going to be the home team. They're the number one seed. I projected that Washington was going to be in it, uh, just like I predicted that uh, Georgia was going to be in the SEC championship game. I projected that Washington was going to be in the Pac-12. I thought USC was going to be in it. I was way off. Uh, let's not talk about USC. We've talked about USC enough. But Washington, good football game. And Michael Penix, he played his heart out, and he played and made do with what he could with the weather being the way it was. And I think it was a solid football team uh, and a solid football effort from both teams. But in the end, Washington just with that dagger to Roma Dunze at the end, that was it. And those two interceptions were just kind of costly for Oregon stay, I think. So final score, 22-20. Washington defeated Oregon State in a chilly game. A uh, slippery game for, you know, it was, it was raining a lot. And Washington going to the Pac-12 championship. Oregon State looking to cause some chaos and try to win try to win nine games and could win 10 games in the year, to end the year. How about that? Beavertown rocking still, man. Washington 22, Oregon State 20. Played, probably played Washington closer than anybody, or probably besides Oregon, they played them the closest. So good on Oregon State. Washington got the win. Both of them are tough and solid teams. That was the recap for week 12. Uh, quick re- recap. That was you know, 26 minutes now. Let's go with the other news, and let's go all around, you know, college football. Let's go with some head coaching, you know, head coaching news, some, you know, going up, what's going on with Michigan. We're going to talk about that first, and then we're going to go around with the tra- the players coming back and the people entering the <clears throat> Again, transfer portal. Anyway, other news out of Ann Arbor. The Big Ten investigations look like it's closing. Uh, Michigan and head coach Jim Harbaugh have accepted the three-game suspension. Linebacker coach Chris Partridge was fired this past Friday uh, due to, you know, Due to the investigation, Ricky uh, Rick Minter, the father of defensive coordinator Jesse Minter, will be the interim linebacker coach for the rest of the year. And Bruce Feldman from The Athletic said that he wouldn't be surprised if Jim Harbaugh was suspended through the bulk of 2024. <sighs> so I thought about this, and when I think about it even more, it just... Yes, they did do it, sure. Nobody's doing this. I understand that. Let's not talk about this. Let's talk about the, how it's, this is going to affect long-term and pitcher for the Big Ten Conference. Uh, relationships mean something in conferences, and I think if you want, you're damaging one of the top dogs in the Big Ten Conference, and I think that is a big uh-oh, and them going butting heads and going back back and forth cuz i mean you got the three you got some of the top dogs in there the main three top dogs you can think of come out of the east i mean well, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State but when Michigan you got 
one of the top dogs there. Uh, they're button heads. This could l- do a damaging relationship in the long term. And, and I think that's what's happening here. Uh, Sharon Moore will take over as the interim head coach for both the Ohio State game now and potentially if they, if, and potentially if they don't get him back for it, the Big Ten championship game and could, if they win the Big Ten championship, could be the playoffs. Who knows how long this is going to last? What's going to happen with head coach Jim Harbaugh? But I will say this. Uh, I've been hearing rumors about Jim Harbaugh. I don't know if they're true or not, but I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it now on this show, but I've been hearing some stuff about Jim Harbaugh uh, and what's been going on there uh, and wh- some of what some of his interests are as of late. So we're going to, we'll, we won't talk about that, but until something actually does occur. Um, but Jim Harbaugh being su- suspended to the bulk of 2024. And that is something that we will have to wait and see. I feel like they say the investigation and quote unquote is over, but is it really over? I feel like if you're saying stuff like he wouldn't be surprised if he's suspended for the bulk of 2024, it doesn't mean it's really over guys. It means that there's more that it may be over on the Big Ten's part, but the NCAA is starting to reopen stuff up and starting to get some more information out, and they are not done with what's going on. So uh, that's the latest of it. Have you know? Ex- Except they accepted the three-game suspension. Wouldn't be surprised if he was suspended through bulk of 2024. Bruce Feldman from the Athletics said that Chris Partridge was fired as the linebacker coach. And Rick Mentor, the father of defensive coordinator, Jesse Mentor, will be the interim linebacker coach for the rest of the year. Now, let's talk about coaching uh, coaching carousel. Arkansas got a win against FIU and athletic director Hunter Urek. Uh, he announced that head coach Sam Pittman will be staying as the head coach for the 2024 season. Now, I like Sam Pittman. He's a good coach. Uh, I've been wondering about this job, if this job was going to open up because of what's been happening. Not the best season for Arkansas, Uh, especially when it was supposed to be a bowl bowl eligible season. Not only that, they were going to compete and win some games, uh, and they lost some games that they weren't expected to lose. Uh, granted, they competed against Alabama, they competed against LSU, they competed against Ole Miss, but they lost some games that they weren't supposed to. Uh, they were they could have beaten Auburn. Uh, they got the talent, but Arkansas just something happened to where they lost to BYU, they lost to LSU, they lost to Auburn, Alabama, Ole Miss, they lost to AM, they lost to State, they lost to Mississippi State, beat Florida beat Florida, beat FIU, but now they got to go play Missouri on Black Friday. This coming up Friday, and it's going to be a game where that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to win. Now, what he will have to do is find a quarterback that's going to replace KJ Jefferson, find a player, find the players that are going to replace a lot of their guys there, like a Rocket Sanders, um, and replace some of those key guys that you're losing to the NFL. Um, and it's going to be tough, especially in the new era of the SEC coming in 2024. So we're going to see how Sam Pittman does. Uh, I would not be surprised if he was on the hot seat starting out the season, but he lives and he's going to fight another year. Hopefully he does. I'm a big Sam Pittman guy, so I like Sam Pittman. Texas San Antonio head coach Jeff Trailer virtually interviewed for the Texas A&M head coaching job. Now, I was shocked about this because I totally didn't don't see Jeff Trailer going to Texas A&M. 
he may. He may. Who knows? I'm not. Listen, I'm not on the know of these college football interviews. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just a podcast host. But I'm going to tell you this. If I had to lay out my candidates of who to go after, Mike Elko could be one. Dan Lanning is more real as a realistic option. You could go, you could try Lane Kiffin and you could try Kalen DeBoer from Washington. Uh, Dan Lanning, Oregon, all, uh, Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss, Kalen DeBoer from Washington, Mike Elko from Duke. Jeff Trailer's a good option. I'm not saying he's not a good coach. What he's doing at Texas San Antonio is a fine job, but I just feel like I could see him more with another job. And I'm going to tell, talk to you about that job in a minute. Now, uh, when you look at Texas A&M, it's a job, and it's a heck of a job, and it's a quality job. Doesn't matter uh, what has happened over the past few years. Doesn't matter who was coaching there prior. Texas A&M has the tools necessary to win a national championship if they get an elite-level coach. That's pretty much it. That's all you got to say about Texas A&M. They can win it if they have an elite level coach. Now, that's all I got to say about the Texas A&M job. I don't have too much long on the segments of it, but because I got to go over with other stuff here in just a little bit. But Jeff Trailer, interesting there, moving on and, you know, going with the head coaching job or interviewing with the head coaching job for Texas A&M. We'll see if we have any more updates on what's going down with Texas A&M this coming weekend or after this coming weekend as, you know, coaching carousels big around this time. So, Let's go with State really quick. Uh, State and who I see as candidates. I said Jed Fish last week, but let me just think about this for a second. And let me just think big, bigger picture. I think Jeff Trailer would be a good spot here. I think Jeff Trailer would be a good hire for State. He's a he's a physical coach, and I think Mississippi State needs to get back to playing some physical football. Uh, with you know Zach Arnett's offense didn't look all that good. I think Jeff Taylor's offense could look a little bit better, and uh, you can get the players in there necessary to run his offense. So I feel like. Jeff Trailer would be a good option for State. I feel like Troy head coach John Samaral would be a good uh, you know option for Mississippi State. I feel like those two coaches I could pursue. Uh, I think Jeff Trailer is a good option. I think Summerall is a good option from Troy, and I, I, I like those two hires from Mississippi State. I think if State tries to go after you know any two any top two coaches on their board right now, I think those are the two guys to try to look into. Uh, Go after Trailer. I think Trailer would be a good option for Mississippi State. And let's just see what happens there. Uh, I feel like he, I would link him more to the state job than I would to the Texas A&M job. I feel like he's a better fit for the for for a a, a Mississippi State job than the, than the Texas A&M job yet. Not to say that Jeff Trailer is not a good coach and all that. I'm just saying that I just favor him more at Mississippi State than I do at Texas A&M. Now. That was the state update. That was the Texas A&M update. Let's talk about a couple more things, and let's talk about some news out of Tallahassee. Syracuse has fired head coach Dino Babers two winning seasons out of eight seasons that he's been there. So Dino Babers, I kind of had a feeling that was coming. He was a little bit on the hot seat going into this season. It was a must win for him he started off a little hot and then it just kind of dwindled down and it was one of those things where he needed to win this this you know this season or else you know this so uh unfortunately he has been let go by Syracuse and Syracuse is in the is in the process of finding its next head football coach UCLA is expected to fire head coach Chip 
Kelly. I was surprised by that. Bruin, this is per Bruin report. Um, when I looked at that, I was thinking, you beat USC though. You beat USC, but I don't think it matters. Six and four, uh, seven and four to them is not where they would want to be, especially heading into the Big Ten next year. It's not where they want to be. Plus, they got a tough schedule. They got, uh, you know, they got a tough schedule, including an out of conference game going to Baton Rouge, going to play LSU. Uh, you know, they played LSU, played them in 2021 in the Rose Bowl. Now they're playing them three years later in Baton Rouge. So, uh, it's one of those games where you look at it and you're like, oh man, you know, like it's, it's one of those schedules. So, uh, recruiting is not going in the favor of Chip Kelly. And it is, and I think that's a big aspect of what's going on with UCLA right now. I think recruiting is not in the favor of head coach Chip Kelly. And I feel like it's not meshing well. And I, and I feel like that is why they are looking to, they're expected to fire head coach Chip Kelly, even though they won the USC game. Uh, it's not meshing well, and they're not coming to any storm of, you know, you know, looking long-term with Chip Kelly. It's not looking good, if that makes sense. So they're expected to fire head coach Chip Kelly. That was the latest on the coaching carousel. Let's go into Tallahassee and dive deep into what happened at North Alabama. There were two big things that happened Saturday. Uh, North Mexico State upset Auburn. Uh, all I got to say about that game is Auburn will be fine. This stuff just happens sometimes. LSU lost to Troy back in the day when Saban was, you know, first season, Louisiana Monroe beat Nick Saban in Alabama, upset them. Now, that was that was rough. It's not. I wouldn't have let it happen. But New Mexico State did win, and they're playing for a conference title soon. So, uh, good on that Mexico State over Auburn, thirty-one ten. Not a not a very good look for Auburn, but it happens. They'll be back. Hugh Freeze has just got to get his players in there, and Hugh Freeze is going to get everything right. The Iron Bowl coming up Saturday. Second thing, and it's the most important thing, was Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis. Uh, he was running the ball uh, in a scramble when North Alabama was up on him, 14 nothing, 14 nothing. Jordan Travis are going for a first down, hit drop tackle, and he goes down with a very gruesome leg injury. He got carted off, taken into an ambulance, and taken to the hospital. He was taken to the hospital uh, where he most likely will, most likely will or has already had surgery, and now is out for the season, and he is now officially done playing quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles. He announced it yesterday. So, they lose him for the season. Uh, what is this going to mean for Florida State? I'll tell you what it means. They got Tate Rotomaker, a very good uh, style, pro-style quarterback coming out of you know high school, redshirt junior. He's got some experience under his belt. So, let's see what Tate Rotomaker does against Florida Saturday. Graham Mertz is also out Saturday due to a uh, fractured collarbone. So we'll see if he gets some rest and we will see if they can find a way to upset Florida State to go bowl eligible. Who knows? Let's see what happens. It's in Gainesville. It's in Gainesville. So let's see. Uh, but Jordan Travis going down. Uh, and my thoughts on this are they went out. Doesn't matter about Jordan Travis. Put him in the playoff. That's all I got to say. They go undefeated. They beat Louisville in the ACC championship game next Saturday. Play them and put them in the playoffs at number four, three, wherever. Just put them in the playoffs. They earned it. They deserved it. Don't keep them out. That's my take on it. The injury, unfortunately, happened, and it's not a good injury. My thoughts and prayers are with Jordan Travis as he makes a speedy recovery. But when you look at things, 
Tade Rotomaker could be, who knows? He could be a he could be a savior of some sorts for this Florida State Seminoles team. Uh, Jordan Travis was carted off. He was down. He is done for the Florida State Seminoles. My thoughts and prayers are with him. Keep on, you know, fighting your knee injury and keep on, you know, wishing you a best and speedy recovery uh, as you head to the NFL. So tough news coming out of Tallahassee and tough thing to watch Saturday. So let's talk about players coming back and let's talk about the transfer portal just a little bit. Let's go with the transfer portal first. The early window is opening up and that means players are going to start jumping in. They are going to start just jumping in and that makes sense because it's the transfer portal, right? Uh, let's talk about two two big names in the transfer portal uh, before we move on to players coming back. Texas Tech quarterback Tyler Show, who transferred from Oregon, will tr- enter the transfer portal as a graduate trans graduate transfer to look for his final year of eligibility elsewhere. Tyler Show, solid quarterback for Texas Tech, who started majority of their games uh, ever since becoming you know going to Oregon, uh, going from Oregon and. He played, he played, they played Oregon close this season. They played Oregon close. So Tyler show entering the transfer portal as a grad transfer. He's probably gonna be one of the top prospects in the quarterback era and in the quarterback room or area of the transfer portal. Iowa quarterback Spencer Petras will also enter the transfer portal as a graduate transfer. So two top quarterbacks or two, or there's going to be two top quarterbacks in the quarterback, you know, room in the transfer portal and Spencer Petra started from 2020 from 2020 to 2022 until Cade McNamara transferred from Michigan to start at Iowa. So Spencer Petras will enter the transfer portal for his final year of eligibility as a graduate transfer. Two big names coming in. Uh, we expect to see more names and I will talk more about the transfer portal. It's just a little too early to dive completely into it, but the window is opening up. It opens up next week. So transfer portal opener open. The door's going to open. People are going to stop hopping in and uh, we're going to talk about you know the recruiting of it, and we're going to need to talk about who needs to dive into the portal most. So I think that's going to be a good segment there. Let's talk about who's coming back. Uh, th- four big names, and we're going to we're going to post it on social media, but we're going to dive deep into it now. Utah quarterback Cam Rising announced yesterday that he will return to Utah for his final season in 2024. He will transfer with Utah to the Big 12 and will become a Big 12 quarterback next season. Uh, Cam Rising, solid, good, solid guy, great quarterback, and he is going to do wonders for Utah. Utah will be on the mid next year and be a, a heavy favorite or one of the heavy favorites in the Big 12 now that Cam Rising will come back next year. He was supposed to come back this year, but he did not due to his ACL injury and rehabbing that knee. Just took him a little little bit while longer than expected, but he should be fully healthy, hopefully be fully healthy by 2024 to play his final season in Utah. Kansas quarterback Jalen Daniels is returning to Kansas in 2024 in the Big 12. He has dealt with a back injury the majority of the year, and he just felt like he had some unfinished business at the Rock Chalk. So he is coming back next season, and that is a big-time pickup for Lance uh, for Lance Leipold and Kansas Jayhawks. Now, Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, head coach for Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin, head coach, has announced that quarterback Jackson Dart will return to Ole Miss for his final season in 2024. Big-time pickup there. Uh, sad to see Spencer Sanders because Spencer Sanders was a solid quarterback at Oklahoma State. He will not 
get his chance to start. Uh, Jackson Dart will be back. Walker Howard will be waiting in the wings after Dart leaves in 2025. Uh, but Jackson Dart will come back for his final year in 2024. And he's a solid. He was up there. Okay, and not only in the West, but in the SEC in quarterbacks. He was a very solid quarterback this season. He has done extremely well. We're going to see him play the Egg Bowl Thursday on Thanksgiving. And Jackson Dart's not a bad quarterback, so watch out for Jackson Dart going into his final year. He can do some big things for that Ole Miss team. If they, they're, they're going to return a lot of their guys. Watch out for Ole Miss in the new era of the SEC led by Jackson Dart. Last but not least, before we get to the frenzy rankings for Week 13, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers is expected to return to Texas for his redshirt junior season in 2024. However, nothing is decided and there is still a long way to go. That, that is also in quotes. Now, on three sports reported this, by the way, or inside Texas reported it through on three sports. Now, I will say this. The question that I got for a for the QA episode the week before the season started was. If Quinn was to return, what will happen with Arch Manning? I do not know what will happen with Arch Manning. Everyone's going to assume, you know, transfer, transfer, hop in the portal. That could happen. Yet again, he could stay. He's also a Manning. He's got that Manning gene in him. I will say this about Quinn Ewers, though. He was hurt a little bit this season. Yes. That is a loaded room this season. Yes, and I feel like if he stayed, he will probably make himself known as, if not the top or one of the top quarterback prospects in the 2025 draft. Because you still got a loaded room in 2025. You got potentially Jalen Daniels from Kansas, Jackson Dart, Carson Beck, if Carson Beck comes back, Cam Rising. uh, Maybe a Tyler Show will be in there. I mean, you got some guys in there, but Quinn Ewers could probably top those names out of all of them. Uh, Quinn Ewers coming back is going to be huge, and Texas is going to the SEC, so he will transfer to the SEC and become an SEC quarterback in 2024, Quinn Ewers would. So that'd be very interesting to see come next year if Quinn Ewers does indeed forego his forego eligibility in the draft and return as a redshirt junior for Texas. So let's see what happens there. And we'll talk about that there. I I said that crazier things happen when I answered that question back in the Q&A episode. Guess what? I answered it. And I said that he probably wouldn't come back. It's highly unlikely. But guess what? It's likely now. It's likely now more than ever. So I was, I was hey, who knows? A lot can change in college football. A lot can change in college football. So that was the players coming back. That was the transfer portal talk. Let's talk about the frenzy college football playoff rankings entering week 13. And then we'll look ahead to showdown Saturday. My one of my favorite, or if not my favorite time of college football Thanksgiving weekend. So I said that we're going to talk about NC state and let's talk about them. They're number 25 on my list. Ladies and gentlemen, 25, they're a good football team. Eight and three is NC State. I believe that is their record. Let me pull up their record here. So, NC State is 25 because I think they're a good football team. I was looking at everybody and I was like, listen, Clemson or NC State? But NC State, eight and three, they beat Clemson. They get the nod and they get in at 25. So NC State, good football team. How about Toledo at 24? Good football team. I'm going to bring them into the fold. They're 11-1. and On their way 
on their way to playing Liberty on their way. Tennessee at 23 after a tough loss to Georgia. Kansas State rocking and rolling again. They had another good win. They're number 22 on my list. Tulane at 21. They went from 25 to 21 because I think Tulane played really good football and they're back to, and they need to be going back to playing some good football. If you ask me, number 20, Liberty. I think Liberty is playing a tad bit better and I think Jimmy Chatwell is doing an amazing job at Liberty. Oklahoma State, 19, they got a good win against Houston. They come up a couple of spots and go to number 19. Notre Dame destroyed Wake Forest. They Sam Hartman played his old team and dominated Wake Forest. They're at 18. Oregon State is at 17. After a tough loss to Washington, they fall out of my top 10 and fall seven spots. I know that's a little harsh, but I feel like there were teams ahead of them that week that played a little bit better. And those two turnovers kind of cost them that game, even though it was cold and, you know, wet and slippery because it was because of the weather. But Oregon State at number 17 is a spot that I would have them in for this week. Number 16, Iowa, 9-2. and two, And the winners of the Big Ten West are going to go play the winner of Ohio State or Michigan. And they're going to very be watching that game very closely. They play the winner of Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten Championship game next Saturday. 15, LSU. Three-loss team, but hey, doesn't matter. LSU's got a solid offense. Their defense, obviously not good. But their offense, led by quarterback Jaden Daniels, is electric. By the way, my vote, and you probably already saw my tweet yesterday, uh, responding, uh, responding to, you know, you know, organ reporters and whatnot. But uh, my honest thoughts was this. He's the most outstanding player in college football. He deserves it. Give him the Heisman Trophy. Eight total touchdowns. I know Bo Nix threw for six or seven alone in one half. But Jaden Daniels has a 1,000 rushing yards on the year. Okay? 1,000. He's been playing lights out. He's been leading his team. He has not had. He's only had one off game. Uh, these players and other players have had multiple off games. Every game besides the Florida State game, he has been on, on, on each and every game, including against losses against Ole Miss and Alabama. Just give him the Heisman Trophy. Number 15, LSU. 14, Arizona. I think Arizona's a good football team. You already know that. I think Noah Fafita is doing a great job at quarterback there. Jed Fish doing a good job coaching his team. And Arizona has, a poten- has, a, has, has the potential to be playing for the Pac-12 championship. They're not out of it just yet. Number 13, Penn State. Uh Close and tough win against Rutgers, uh, but I don't think I think one spot is a suffice for them to move up. Thirteen, Penn State, number twelve, Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss uh, struggled a little bit early, but then turned it on in the second half. They go to number twelve, number eleven, Oklahoma. I have Oklahoma at eleven. Uh, they played a, a pretty solid. You know, they played you know BYU pretty close, but BYU's been kind of up and down. But Oklahoma. Finished strong, and that's why I have them at number 11. Missouri played a close game against Florida, but Florida's been playing a lot of teams close besides potentially an LSU or a Georgia. But Missouri played some good football Saturday night. Game-winning field goal, lights out. 61, you know, uh, Mevis with a 61-yarder. Mizzou at number 10. They cracked my top 10. They're a good football team. And will win 10 games. They're going to have, they could be a, a 10 
are an 11-win team. They're 9-2 right now. So they'll have the potential to win 10 games against Arkansas and win 11 games in a bowl game. And it has the potential to go to a New Year's Six Bowl. Louisville at number 9. Louisville, 10-1. Showdown with Florida State. Incoming first, they got Kentucky. In Papa John Cardinal Stadium, they got a strong Kentucky team awaiting for them. So we will see what happens there. But 10-1, and one, number nine in the nation, who knows? There could be a path. I don't think it's unlikely, but there could be a path. They got to play Florida State in the ACC Championship next Saturday. We will see. Number eight, Texas. All they got to do is win out and they're in. That's all I got to say. All I got to do is win out. They win against Texas Tech on Friday. They win in the Big 12 Championship. They're in. They're in. If Bama beats Georgia, I think. I think somebody's got to lose. I think that, uh, I think somebody's got to lose. I think, uh, I honestly think Washington would have to lose. I think a Florida State would have to lose. I think, I think somebody's got to lose for Texas to get in. But I think if they win out and somebody loses ahead of them, they will be in for sure because they got that head-to-head win over Alabama. But I still put them at number eight because I think if they played Bama right now, they would lose. Bama would beat them. Number seven, Oregon. I think if I think Oregon's a dangerous team. Bo Nix playing some good football. I like Oregon at number seven. One of the uh, the second team the second team out, or I'm sorry, the third team out, technically, this third team out. They're at number seven. The second team out is Alabama at number six. I think Alabama uh, at number six for me is a good spot. They're playing some great football. Jalen Milrow is finally developing as a solid quarterback for them, and I just like I like the I like the progressions that they're making. Alabama is on tap for a collision course with Georgia next Saturday. Florida State at five. Nothing changes there. I think Florida State with Tade Rotomaker is going to have to show me something. Uh, it does hurt a little bit that they lost Jordan Travis, but, but, big but, four putts, that Florida State is still the number five team. They're still undefeated, uh, still favored to win the ACC. Let's see what happens there. They win. Hey, Florida State, they went out, they're in. Washington at four. They went out. They're in. They played good against Oregon State. Cold game, but they still survived. Oregon in the Pac-12. Washington in the Pac-12 against Oregon State. Pac-12 in the. uh, They're in the Pac-12 championship game. Washington is. Uh, They play Wazoo in the Apple Cup Saturday. So we will see what happens there. Went out. You're in. Number three, Ohio State. Got to beat Michigan Saturday. The game is here. You got to beat Michigan Saturday. Got to win the Big Ten against Iowa, and then you're in. Michigan at two, and Georgia at one. I this the 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 top five is the same. The uh pr- pretty much nine through one is the same. Uh, Michigan is. I still think Michigan is the most complete team in college football still. But I think Georgia is just playing with an edge that could potentially overthrow Michigan. So Georgia, right now, the number one team in the nation. Michigan at number two. Ohio State at three. Washington at four. That's my top four. And that was my frenzy playoff rankings for week 13. Let's move on. And by the way, these rankings... Who do y'all have ranked? I would like to know. Uh, I'm going to have these posted on Instagram, Facebook, and X tomorrow. So uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, on X, Instagram, and all the socials on there. So week 13 preview and predictions, showdown Saturday. Let's look ahead of the games that we are covering, and we're going to preview and predict these games. 55 minutes. We have made it to the end of the show. Here we go. 
The Civil War. The Civil War. This is the game that I have been talking to my friends and family about that I've been most intrigued on because I'm intrigued. Now more than ever, I'm intrigued. Oregon State beats Oregon. Arizona's in. Oregon wins. We get the rematch that everybody's been talking about. Keys to this game are important, but this game's in Autzen Stadium, so it's going to be a little bit hard for Oregon State to try to come in and beat a team that hasn't lost at home probably since 2019-2020. So it's going to be hard. They've been undefeated at home for a good bit. Let's see what happens here. The hometown crowd could come into a factor Friday night in the Black Friday in this Civil War game. Key to this one, find a way to, find a way to slow down Bo Nix. Bo Nix has been playing like a madman, playing like he is going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, it's either him or Jaden Daniels at this point. But he's been playing like a madman. And, I mean, six touchdowns and a half, I don't care who you're playing against. That's pretty good. Uh, Bodacious is going off, and he's been playing like himself. If y'all saw the college football ga- uh, college game day you know, story on him, go and watch it. It's a good thing. It's a good story uh, on Bo Nix, on how he's transferred to Oregon from Auburn. It's a good thing. Find a way to slow down Bo Nix and slow down the weapons around him. You got Troy Franklin. You got Bucky Irving. Uh, uh, Tez, Tez Johnson. You got to find a way to slow those guys down. That's the big key for Oregon State. Now, for Oregon, play good on the front seven for defense and pressure D- DJ Uagagale U- U- and force him to make turnovers like he did against Washington. If you force DJ Uagagale U- to make turnovers, then you should sew this game up defensively. And I think if they do that, if they do, they'll find a way to win the game. Who do I have one in this one? Civil War. Oregon State or Oregon? Give me Oregon close. I think Oregon will win this game close. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. But the hometown the hometown crowd, I think Bo Nix, is, Bo, Bo Nix could play better at quarterback in this one, and Bo Nix is going to find a way to, to, to deliver in this game, and they're going to win the game. 31-24. I got Oregon 31, Oregon State 24 in this one, and they win the Civil War and go on to the Pac-12 championship game to face Washington in a huge and anticipated rematch. Now, Florida State at Florida. This game intrigues me because both starting quarterbacks are out for this team. 11-0, undefeated. Florida playing some teams close. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. One team's fighting to stay into the playoff hunt. Another is fighting to be bowl eligible. 11-0, 5-6 in Gainesville. Let's go with the keys here. Win on the line of scrimmage and protect Tade Rotomaker. Uh, that, that that front seven is not bad for Florida. They uh, It's not like the best, but it's not bad. And I feel like they got some beefy guys up front. I feel like if you're the Florida State offensive line, you're going to have to find a way to win up front and out-physical them and protect Tade Rotomaker and protect him and let Rotomaker make some of his throws and make some of his progressions now that he is starting the rest of the way for Florida State. So uh, I would probably win on a lot of scrimmage and just protect him at all costs in this game. Uh, now, Jack Miller should be getting the start Florida uh, for Florida Saturday. I do not rightly know uh, who is starting yet, but I would assume it's Jack Miller, the, 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 the third, getting the start for this offense. They need to have a consistent offensive game plan with Graham Mertz missing Saturday's contest. So they need to have a consistent offensive game plan to try to slow down that defense and to try to play a sensational game to try to 
upset Florida State to go bowl eligible. I think that's the main key for them. Can they form a consistent offensive game plan without Graham Mertz there? I think that's the best key for Florida going into this one. Who do I have one in this ball game? I think it's going to be close. Uh, I think they're all, they always play each other close. I think Florida's going to give them a fight. I really do. I think they're going to give them a fight. Florida State wins, however, in a close win on the road. Tate Rotomaker finds a way to get it done, throws a touchdown late, and seals the victory for the Seminoles. Final score, 24-17. Florida State 24, Florida 17. Going to be a little bit of a, a, a mid-range score, low, low to mid-range score, 24-17. Florida State defeats Florida, improves to 12-0, while Florida, unfortunately, will not be going bowling. Kentucky at Louisville. That is a game that we are covering because I said weeks ago that this was going to be an underrated game. And I still think it's going to be an underrated game. Despite Kentucky coming off of a tough loss against South Carolina, I still think it's going to be an underrated game. Six and five, Louisville at 10 and one. It's at Louisville. Home field advantage goes with the Cardinals. Uh, I think that, that could play into a fact, uh, uh, be a factor in this, but let's just see what happens. I think for Kentucky, uh, the defense needs to just slow down the run game for Jahar Jordan. Jahar Jordan is a solid back. Granted, Kentucky's got a back of their own in Ray Davis. Both of them are solid running backs. Running games are on point. But I think Jahar Jordan is just a back that is elusive. He's tough and he's and he's and he's you know pretty fast when he runs. He can turn on the jets and accelerate. I feel like his acceleration when he runs is one of the one of the most you know one of the most you know versatile and best in college football. I think they need to find a way to slow down the run game for Jahar Jordan because he's been winning most of Louisville's football games. So if you just slow him down or kind of shut him down a little bit, Kentucky may have a chance at doing something. I think for Kentucky, Devin Leary just needs to have a sensational game at quarterback. I think he needs to play lights out. I think he needs to play similar to how he played against Tennessee. They lost that game, yes, but play kind of like how you played against then, but a little bit more. If you play a little bit more, then everything should be fine, right? Who do I have winning this game? Louisville. I have Louisville winning this game close. Louisville's going to win this game about... I would say 38-31. I think it's going to be a probably a little bit of a high-scoring game. Louisville 38, Kentucky 31. I think that uh, Kentucky's going to play its heart out, and I think they're going to play them close. They're going bowling. So I say a 6-6 six and six season will have to do for them. 38-31, Louisville wins this one close. They go on to 11-1, and they go on to a huge showdown, 11-1 against an undefeated Florida State in the ACC championship game. So that's going to be a good one there next Saturday. Louisville defeats Kentucky behind the run game of Jahar Jordan. I just don't think the defense is going to be able to slow down Jahar Jordan that much, and that's why I got Louisville winning 38-31 against Kentucky. Now, last game before we conclude today's episode of Pigskin Frenzy, the game. The game, ladies and gentlemen. The game. So, Ohio State at Michigan. My first time reporting this one. I'm excited. It is probably one of the greatest rivalries in college football, if not the greatest. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't get any better. Two versus three in the big house in Ann Arbor. Going to be packed out, maize and blue everywhere. They're going to rain down on Ohio State and vice versa. They did that last year to Michigan. They're going to rain down a booze against Ohio State. A very vicious and hated rivalry. Both 11-0. 
you're in, you win, you're in, you lose, you're out. We're, we have made it. We have made it. The keys of this game, Ohio State needs to keep on at it with its run game with Travion Henderson. I think if they just keep on with a run game, because he got like, what, 146 yards against Missouri? Not only against Missouri, against Minnesota this past week. So if he just keep on developing Trevion Henderson in the run game a little bit, Ohio State's got a shot. I think if you run the ball against Michigan, you could be okay. Honestly, I think just run the ball a little bit in your offense a little bit more. Michigan just needs to find a way to contain Marvin Harrison and the rest of the offense. If he just slowed down the receivers, uh, Emuke Abuka, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. or Maserati Marv as Fox Sports' as Gus Johnson calls him. Uh, <laughs> if you just find a way to slow him down, you'll be fine. And finally, who plays better at quarterback? That's the best thing. Who's going to play better? Is, is it going to be JJ or is it going to be Kyle McCord? I think both of these guys are going to have to have a pretty solid game to win and go to the Big Ten Championship against Iowa and potentially go to the college football playoff. Big time game here. I can feel it. I get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Win or go home? Who do I have winning this game? Close. Close. But remember what I said in August. I said that in August that I had Michigan ahead of Ohio State. And I still do. Michigan beats Ohio State Saturday. I think Michigan gets it done. Close. Uh, sends Ohio State home. I think Michigan goes to the Big Ten Championship game and goes on probably potentially to the college football playoff. Michigan goes 12-0. Ohio State goes 11-1. Big time game. Michigan gets it done by a score, I'm going to say, of 35-28. Michigan 35, Ohio State 28. Michigan 35, Ohio State 28. Michigan wins the game for a third straight year and goes to the Big Ten Championship game against Iowa. That is Showdown Saturday. Those are the games that are important, and we are out of time. Guys, a big thank you for taking some time out of your Tuesday to just sit back, watch, and listen to some college football coverage presented by me. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to the channel, like each episode, leave comments down below, Spotify, Piping, and Apple. Just share around with others and follow on there as well, and just keep liking each episode on the audio platforms. Guys, X, Instagram, and Facebook, just type in Pigskin Frenzy. Follow and like the pages there. You'll get episode updates. You'll get news and highlights from across college and NFL football. You will get trivia questions on today's on, on Instagram stories. Go and answer today's, as well as all things up to date for Pigskin Frenzy. Guys, NFL Edition Thursday, we will recap week 11 of the NFL season, including a Super Bowl rematch between the Eagles and Chiefs. Fun and entertaining game that was. We're going to recap it, and we're going to get into it uh, Thursday. So, guys, I'm Joel Norris signing off. And until Thursday, guys, please and always stay the course.